This is the AZ Brandcast, where we explore Arizona's brand and the brands that make Arizona. I'm Mike Jones. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for coming on the AZ Brandcast again, checking us out, hanging out with us. I am super excited today to have a repeat guest, Brian Moore, perhaps our first repeat guest on the show which I think is a a great title that you should own, Brian. Repeat guest? Yeah, this needs to go on your LinkedIn profile. I would just say, if you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, (laughs) bring me on. No, 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 no. You've been up to a lot of things since we last chatted. Uh, Life is crazy. Life is busy. And you're doing some new things. And I thought this would be the perfect time to have you come back on and give us an update about kind of where you're at, what you're working on, and particularly talk about Anthem. Uh, which is this new company that you've started with some great people. Yep. Um, and just for our audience, I'll, I'll summarize. Anthem is a startup technology company focused on helping uh, teams, particularly, better connect through cataloging and sharing their life uh, moments or events. And as an actual user of Anthem, in a very limited capacity, I think it's a really cool product. Um, I've been really excited to just kind of watch the growth of the company over the last, what, year, year and a half now? Yeah, a little, year and a half? little over a year. I mean, the idea started, believe it or not, about four years ago. Okay. But we didn't actually begin truly executing on it until about a year and a half ago. That's awesome. Yeah. And just for our audience sake, you are co-founder and CEO. That is, that is correct. correct. That okay. is correct. Yes. If we're labeling, those are those would be appropriate labels. Yeah. If we're putting the obligatory job yeah. titles yes. on there. Yes. Well, what do you actually do? That's the real question. Like at Anthem at or Anthem. in life? Well, let's start with that Anthem. <laughs> I would say, so I'll, I'll use uh, a, an analogy. Uh, although my time in the restaurant business was short, uh, I am the front of the house individual and my business partner is the back of the house. So front of the house, I would say, is everything related to client relationships, client development, and execution of both the experiences that we hold, whether they're in person or virtual, as well as we've been able to build a small yet mighty community of coaches and consultants Hmm. who have been certified to go out and deliver Anthem to their clients. And so we are about to launch our second cohort of certified consultants here uh, on October 1st. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's been really, really exciting and, a, and an exciting growth path. My co-founder manages and handles all of the back of the house mm-hmm. type stuff, the technology, the platform, programmers, engineers, all of the stuff that uh, is essentially a different language for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's real good. It, yeah. Complimentary pairs. No, time. that's. Yeah. I think those are fantastic combos to have. It's really great. Uh, that's awesome. It's really great. So, so tell so, yeah. me about Anthem. What is Anthem? So you actually described it really, really well. Mm-hmm. It is a platform. It's a technology platform, but it's not about the technology. It's about what the technology enables. And it enables people to connect on a more human level, at a deeper level. So if you think about the world many of us have grown up in, particularly the world of work, we tended to... Uh, discourage getting to know our teammates at a deep level. They were our coworkers. They were our colleagues. They weren't really intended to, and certainly not encouraged to be our friends. Mm. And I've just had this sort of nagging feeling for many years that 
thinking about, and maybe this is just part of getting older, and you think about the 24 hours in a day you have and how many of those hours you know, each week you spend with your colleagues, it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot of time. And why do we not allow some of those relationships to be far more meaningful and personal? Why do they have to be at arm's length? Why do they need to remain at surface level? There's so much data out there that supports if you actually have deeper, more meaningful connections with the people you work with, not only will you produce better work, it actually adds more joy to your life. And so as we are now dealing with a whole host of new challenges brought on by what's happened in the world over the last year and a half, and people are reevaluating in a lot of different aspects of their lives, I think we can use this as an opportunity, despite it being awful gift wrapping. The gift inside is this opportunity to say, wait a minute, I spend upwards of two thirds of my adult life with these people working, pursuing a common purpose, presumably united by a shared set of values. Why shouldn't I explore what exists in terms of deeper, more meaningful relationships that I could have with these folks. I spend an awful lot of time with them. Why not? Hmm. And that's what Anthem does. Anthem creates an opportunity and, and a mechanism to disarm a lot of what gets in the way of us having more meaningful conversations, not based on what we are, but on who we are. Hmm. And so much of that is, you know, easily surfaced by moments and memories that each of us have experienced. Your yeah. life, Mike, is as unique as mine is. And I can learn so much about you by some of those moments and memories that hold a special place of significance in your life and vice versa. You could learn an incredible amount about me based upon my significant life moments, whatever it is we're willing to share. Mm -hmm. And that creates this amazing opportunity to maybe not become best friends, but we could certainly have a much deeper appreciation and an understanding for the lives we've led, which leads to, again, better work product and adds more happiness to our lives. Yeah. Um, not to get too far in the weeds, but from a kind of a more tactical standpoint, how are you doing that through the, the platform? Through the platform. So the, the, the most common entry point for one of our clients is a team leader. They could be leading a big team, small team, the marketing team, the sales team, the accounting team, doesn't matter. They are the type of leader that really understands how important it is to create that sense of cohesion and connection, realizing that their responsibility is to bring people together to achieve a common goal. And that sense of vulnerability-based trust is really important to do that they will engage us to typically the intro experience is bringing one of our, either me or one of our other facilitators in to host a virtual experience. Most teams are still meeting virtually. So I say virtual, although we've done a handful of in-person for those that are meeting in person, each member of the team that's going to participate in one of these experiences will do uh, essentially a homework assignment. They'll take a trip down their life memory lane mm -hmm. And they'll think about a handful of moments and memories that hold that type of significance. They'll document those as short little stories. And then as a way to really bring it to life, we use inspirational media sources, music being the one that everyone uses as the starting point. Music has a way of serving as this universal language that everybody understands. The music you listened to as a kid, Mike, might have been very different than the music I did, but the importance of that music growing up 
that you listened to growing up is just as important to you as it is as my music is to me. And those moments in your life that happened when you were a kid, when you were in high school, after high school, and even last week, music has this amazing way of both symbolizing those life moments, the same way a musical score of a movie really brings the movie story to life. Our lives are much the same. The music we've listened to has been the soundtrack of our lives. And music is this disarming element. You and I can immediately engage in a conversation first about songs or bands that were important to us at different stages of our life. And and that inevitably opens up the conversation to, well, what are those unique moments and memories that that music symbolizes for you? And that then comes to life in these virtual or in-person essentially what becomes campfire style conversations. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's very different than water cooler chat, yeah. which I think is the terminology that's used most often. Yep. On a Monday morning after a weekend, you and I bump in, into each other in the office. Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Hey, did you watch the game? Yeah. Hey, what'd you do with your kids? And that's all fine and good. That's surface level. Um, taking that a step deeper Mm -hmm. Uh, is what we're trying to achieve and to really help people connect at a a much, much deeper level. And so the pre-work is step one, cataloging Mm -hmm. those moments, choosing the music that symbolizes it. And then step two is the experience, the workshop that we facilitate. And it really helps sort of grease the skids, if you will, to help people have far more different and more meaningful conversations with one another. That's so cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's really, it's super cool. I've, What's really crazy about it, I love music. So music is a huge part of my life. I've listened to more artists and bands in the last year and a half that I didn't even know existed that I've started to really enjoy because, you know, I was I'm in my musical echo chamber. I like what I like. Yeah, I'm almost 50 years old. Learning new artists and bands isn't yeah. at the top of my list. I kind of you have, have a few other things going on in your yeah, life. Yeah, that too, too. You know, but now I'm being exposed <laughs> to a lot of new stuff. I'm like, yeah. oh, my, there's this whole new universe. So it's th- that's been a, a, that's an so amazing cool. sort of side benefit to this. Whole yeah, thing a for little me. discovery engine as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, uh, you know, the product kind of started with music, but it it's expanded quite a bit into other categories as well. It has. What are some of those? It has. So. Uh, and that came from our clients. So mm-hmm. we started with music only. And then after a handful of engagements, we had a, a handful of clients come back and say, wow, this was really cool. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do this with movies yeah. or with books or with a TED talk that I watched that mm-hmm. changed my perspective on fill in the blank. And so all of a sudden, Jeremy, my co-founder and I are like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a lot of other opportunities here. What if we were to give people other media as inspirational symbols to use, not just music? So that we've layered in books, TED Talks, uh, television shows and movies so far. Cool. Um, and podcasts are soon to follow. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's super then cool. Then there's kind of a sense, too, you're almost building this like profile kind of a, a memorable experiences in media profile. Yeah. And people, I, I, I'm just thinking of like every, I've had some really interesting conversations in the last year with companies that are either have gone remote or have been remote for quite some time and how they're dealing with culture development, how they're dealing with kind of creating those opportunities for people to connect, just yep. like what you're doing. Yep. Um, when you don't have a physical space and proximity to kind of force that to organically happen. Yep. 
And um, I think one of the challenges is also what I'm hearing is kind of this, the old timers, the OGs in the company have been through that process, even when they're all remote, right? And they've built memories together. They've built experiences together. And it's harder sometimes for newer people if there isn't a clear way for them to start connecting. And sometimes, you know, you get into the groove of your business and you've been around for, you know, three or four or even 10 years in the business. Yep. You're not really thinking about like how hard it was when you first started in that company to yep. like build all those connections and all that much more so when it's remote and maybe your maybe your organization hasn't quite figured out, how, you know, what are some tools and habits and behaviors that we can encourage that that do that it's a it's a it's a keen observation and one of the utilization cases that emerged again this is sort of uh, if you just keep your ear to the ground the market yep. will often you know send you signals as to what it wants yep. and in addition to the additional media beyond music the other big use case that emerged fairly quickly is new hire onboarding mm. If you were hired in the last year, year and a half, there's a good possibility you've yet to meet any of your yep. teammates or your supervisor. Yeah, even your boss. In person. <laughs> and so imagine if you wake up every day at your new job, you've been at it for a month or a year, and you've never met any of them. You've never had a chance to validate if you know they're yeah. tall or short or whatever, <laughs> right? You've only seen their upper half on, on a video. And how do you connect with people? Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you accelerate a sense of belonging, a sense of inclusion, a sense of connection, yep. which all of those things, when done well, accelerate productivity yep. and reduce any risk of potential uh, you know, unnecessary or voluntary attrition because the new person doesn't feel like they've ever truly fit. Yep. It's really hard to do. And so we're in new territory. Many organizations are. And I think, I think we have we accidentally it wasn't the plan, but we accidentally stumbled into a way to give new folks a bigger megaphone to describe more of who they are, and vice versa. That opportunity then being reciprocated to them from the team that they're joining in these cool connection opportunities, which it's good for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I just I haven't seen the downside. Maybe I'm the glass half full guy. And I, I lean into wanting to yeah. develop more meaningful relationships with the people that I spend a lot of time with. I, that's my bias. Yeah. Like, I would rather if we're going to be colleagues, like, let's not just park our relationship as a work only thing. Let's at least give it a shot to, yeah. to connect. Maybe we don't, but not for not for not giving it a shot. Yeah. 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 And there's almost always something you can find to connect with someone totally. on, even if you're like, man, we don't really share a lot of experiences. We maybe even have different sets of, you know, core values. Um, there's almost always something experientially, at least that you can be like, Oh yeah, I've been to that place yep. or, yep. um, and I, I find it's so interesting. Like you're basically forcing something that I, that I've kind of learned to do. I don't, I don't know if maybe I'm good at it. I don't know. Uh, I just know like when I meet someone new, I kind of have this like rough checklist of questions I go through and it's often a game of like finding connection points yeah. of like, oh, where have you been? Where did you grow up? Um, oh, I have family from there. Let me tell you a little bit about them. You tell me about your family or tell me about the music that you like. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah, I used to. Do you play music? I play music. You know, just like what kinds of connections can we make? And it, 
we may walk walk away from that conversation going, do I really want to like hang out with you on the weekends? Maybe not. You know, like we might not be best friends, but at least we've we've developed some kind of rapport where yep. we're saying, hey, there's a connection point. And I can imagine like, I mean, even just on our own team, like some of that happens organically, but we got to work hard at it. Um, and so to have tools like what you're what you've built with Anthem and are continuing to build. Yeah. Um, I think could be really huge. I think what's interesting too about it is that in a workplace, when you've got groups of people working together, you will inevitably have tension and conflict. It's yep. just part of the deal. And I think in the absence of really having a deeper understanding of who someone is, mm-hmm. you'll create your own narrative for why they show up the way they show up. And that narrative oftentimes is wrong. And so if you have a chance to have a a more meaningful conversation with them, to learn more about them, to understand their life path in some capacity, Mm -hmm. what we've seen is people are far more often to give the most generous benefit of the doubt when tension and conflicts arise Mm -hmm. because you have you you have a window into the real narrative, not the made up narrative. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Like, I think we could all use a little bit more of that in our lives. I mean, we're in a, you know, a pretty crazy time <laughs> yes. where we don't give generous benefit of the doubt to yep. anyone that disagrees with us. At least most don't anymore. Yeah. And we need to swing back to that middle ground where it's like, okay, Mike has a different opinion on this than I do. This isn't the way I would have approached it, but this is where we're at. Let me actually get curious before I jump to a conclusion. Yeah. And that I think I think that's really really important right now. Yep, yep. There's an old adage about assumptions, right? They something make, like that. They make a something yeah. out of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. Keeping it clean, Apple. I don't even know if that counts on the checklist of bleeps <laughs> or not. Um, Better tell me, to be safe than sorry. Tell me a little bit about how Anthem started. Um, I think I have some ideas, but. I want to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was it was one of those cool serendipitous moments. Hmm. Uh, it was a little over four years ago. I joined an entrepreneur organization forum, an EO forum, mm-hmm. which for folks out there that aren't familiar with it, perhaps they're familiar with Vistage or YPO, which are essentially peer-to-peer forums, usually made up of around 10 people. Uh, typically entrepreneurs and founders and presidents and CEOs who get together once a month to help each other grow professionally and personally. Hmm. I'm a big fan of peer-to-peer mm-hmm. and joined a forum. And at my very first meeting, as all new members of uh, my forum go through, and I think most forums do, I was expected to deliver a presentation called The Lifeline, which essentially is jamming the story of your life into a one-hour-long presentation <laughs> from birth until current. Which is an intimidating homework assignment. Uh-huh. Like, what do I include and how do I include what I might want to in an hour? Because mm-hmm. at the time I was however old, 46, 45, 46 years old. And, you know, I just jumped into the deep end. I'm like, I'm going to I'm going to bear my soul uh, knowing that if this group is really going to help me best and if they're going to trust me to help them best. I better be really vulnerable, raw, and honest about the life I've lived. Not just the highlights, but the lowlights, the regrets, the failures, the losses. And I, I, I bared my soul. Hmm. And what I found was, in a, especially in a group of 
typically type A personalities, yep. that the level of trust I was able to garner with this group was accelerated beyond any team I've ever been a part mm. of. And we're not even really a quote unquote team. We see each other once a month. Yeah. And so all of a sudden I've got this, this sense of vulnerability based trust that I achieved faster with this group than ever before. And I clearly could only point to this willingness to share who I really am. Hmm. Not my LinkedIn profile, (laughs) like the Brian Moore story from birth to current. And one of the gentlemen in the group who had joined a year or so prior to me also had a very similar experience. And as we got to know each other really, really well in the months to follow, he had been building technology products his whole career. And as he learned about my background and in, in the recruiting and people space, it's like, man, this lifeline thing's really powerful to bring people together. We're not even a real team. Do you think we could sort of like build a technology platform and make it mainstream enough that it could be delivered to like real corporate teams that are together five days a week, eight hours a day versus us once a month for a few hours? Like what could they achieve? And so that was the question. And at the time, my response was, uh, I don't think corporate America is ready for this level of vulnerability. Yeah. And then boom, a pandemic, a once in a century pandemic hits. Wow. And all of a sudden, everybody's invited into everybody else's house or condo or apartment, seeing their kids and their pets and their wall decor and what they look like <laughs> in a t-shirt and a ball cap. So for the first time at scale, like we started to see our colleagues not in their dressed up personas, but as just kind of their laid back, like this is who I am on the weekend persona. Yep. And so we revisited the question, like if there were ever a time to test this, if it could be done, now is it? And so we got to work and here we are. Hmm. And awesome. still in the midst of, you know, <laughs> what, what yeah. started a year and a half ago. Yep. And uh, I think this distributed remote, virtual workplace is here to stay in some sort of meaningful capacity. Yep. And even when we go, even when teams go back, I was sharing with, with your colleague, Sam, that mm-hmm. I think on-sites will become the new off-sites. Yep. Like when we are together, how are we going to use that time? It's not like we're just going to go sit at our desks. At least I don't think. Like let's maximize our together time yeah. and do really meaningful experiences. And I think Anthem has a potential to be one of those meaningful experiences that pays dividends when people then leave the office and go back home or wherever it is they're going. Yeah. I think, I think there, there's definitely companies that are figuring that out or have figured that out. I'm, I'm not um, confident they all have figured it out yet um, as they work through kind of what is this hybrid work model? Because I think that's where a lot of it's headed. Yep. Right. You know, we kind of did the everybody work from home thing. And again, there's a giant asterisk on that. There's plenty of people out in the workforce who cannot work from home. Yep. Your job demands you yep. to be totally you know, in the hotel, yep. in the restaurant, yep. on the road. Yep. Um, so we're really only talking about 20 percent of the workforce. <laughs> we, we talk about remote work um, that are doing office jobs. Right. Essentially stuff you can do on a computer. Yep. Um, but of those, like, I think you know, there's been a growing trend. This wasn't, you know, a new trend as of 2020. There was a trend towards how do we facilitate people to work best from the environment 
and the place that works best for them and the context of that particular day even, yep, yep, right? Yep. And I think we're headed to a model that's much more hybrid where it's kind of this combination. And yeah, I'm hoping that companies figure out like, man, the time in the office or at least together in physical proximity has huge potential value. Um, although I've heard some stories of companies not figuring that out. My favorite was a friend of mine telling me about his company going back to back to work yep. uh, one day a week. Yep. Everyone in his team was required to go back to work in the office. Same day of the week. Same day get, of the week. Yep. And they would have Zoom meetings in the office. Now, some of that's pandemic contextual, right? There was still some fear over being in a room together. Sure. Um, but he's like, literally, we're just in a giant room in our cubes having Zooming. Zoom calls with each other. Yeah, that seems... Uh, <laughs> I'm like, you'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> you might be a little bit on the slower track with your organization, but... <laughs> yeah. Some of that all... Some of that's that's temporary, but... It is interesting. We, yeah. we, we swung from the... From one extreme of everybody predominantly being in an office to yep. being forced to not be. Yep. You know, I don't know. Our society seems to love pendulum swings <laughs> yes, from from the extremes and settling in the middle is not you yeah. know, not common territory for us, for the American society. At no, least. no. It's like if you're going to do it, go all out. Yeah. That seems to kind of be the <laughs> yeah. mantra. Yeah. So all in or all out. But I mean, we've seen the benefit of remote. Um, it's given us a flexibility to to bring on talent that we never would have hundred percent had we been like, Oh, you have to be in the office every day. Um, we did that really three years ago. I think we made a big shift towards that and it's benefited our organization. Our people are, are really happy. I would say on the flip side, we've run into the same challenges that you're trying to solve. Um, and I think solving well around how do you build those connections? How do you build culture? Um, how do you make sure everyone kind of is still on the same page in a way that you just, you get naturally in an office. Yeah, you know, there's there's break time. There's coming in to the office in the morning. There's leaving in the afternoon. There's lunches. There's kind of the chit chat before and after a meeting, and that stuff is just you have to be intentional about that with yeah. remote in yeah. a way that maybe you don't if everyone's sitting in one one place. Yeah, you can't rely on the organic informality that a physical office yeah. just sort of you know, helped, uh, bring about, it's yep. just, it's not there virtually. So you're right. You have to, you have to almost schedule it, Yep. which is a bummer because it takes away some of the serendipity. Yep. And yet if you can go into it with an intention, mm -hmm. like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to dedicate some time to just spend with Mike or spend with Sam um, getting to know them or having yep. a different conversation than just about the work, which are the conversations we're having, you know, 99% of the time. Yep. Um, I realize some of the serendipity is missing. You know, if we can figure out how to make it serendipitous, great. Yep. You know, maybe that's coming and, yeah. and hopefully it will. But in the meantime, not making time for it at all, I think will, 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 it'll hurt. It'll yep. hurt retention. It'll eventually hurt productivity. Um, you know, there's already all of this chatter around this great resignation. And I mean, 11 <laughs> yeah. and a half million people have voluntarily quit their jobs yep. since April of 2021. And here we are in September. Yep. It's a lot of people. And so that means a lot of folks are reevaluating, mm -hmm. finding new jobs. Uh, so I think it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a fascinating time. Yeah. 
Well, when the the limits to where you can work or how you can work are taken away. Yeah. There's just a lot more opportunities there out really there. There really is. Yeah. I think everyone this year was like, oh, okay. Now I see how it works. We've had a year. and I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. And maybe I can go look for yeah. a better place with better pay and more of the things I want. And maybe for a company that I maybe enjoy more. Yeah. So people that I want to spend more time Vice with. Vice versa. We've had, <clears throat> I've got family and we've got several, several people on our team who realize like, Oh wait, I could actually move across the country and yep. still work for resound. Right. Yep. That's cool. Let, right. Let's try it. And we were like, yeah, sure. Let's give it a shot. And it's worked pretty well. It, it was that casual of a conversation. Wasn't it? It was like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. No, it was more like, let's think about this, <laughs> make a plan. <laughs> let's see how it goes. Yeah. And well, it, went, and, it went great. And we had contractors too, yep. who were local here that would come in every once in a while. And they were like, we had one who was like, I, I've always wanted to move to New York and now's the best time. We're like, go for it, do it. <laughs> yeah. And she's just, she's excelling. So that's awesome. That's super cool. I mean, you, you see a lot of these really neat, I think very optimistic, happy stories, whether it's on social media of um, moms and dads, like, wow, I actually get to now drive my kid to school <laughs> or yes. I get to help them get dressed and have breakfast with them in the morning. Yep. Some of those things and, and, and not to simply call out, uh, uplifting stories about parents only it's happening for folks that don't have kids as well, where they're yep. able to now, Hey, I can actually go work out in the morning yep. because I don't have to commute for yep. an hour. Yeah. You freed up at least an hour, maybe an hour and a half of your day. Yeah. And possibly for some folks, if you lived in a big city like a, a San Francisco or an mm -hmm. LA or a New York city, you know, where your commute was hour to two hours each way. Yeah. So all of a sudden you've added a lot of capacity to your life that was usually eaten up by commute. Not that that wasn't productive time if you used it well, but. Productive well, in a different way. Yeah. It's interesting. Like yep. what, how, how do you reorganize and prioritize what matters most to you if certain elements that served as a nuisance have been removed? Yeah. I think it's, again, it's just a, everybody, not everyone. Many people have had an opportunity to just simply take a step back and evaluate hmm. Hmm, what does matter most to me. And it's not often in life that we get those opportunities. And that, again, the gift wrapping sucked, but the gift <laughs> is there if you're yep. if you choose to to engage with it. Yep. Yeah. In terms of obviously the pandemic created kind of an opportunity for you guys to start this journey with Anthem. Yeah. Has there been other impacts as you've as you've launched and grown the brand um, just in the midst of a pandemic, I think obviously the, the clear one is that there's a maybe a market demand uh, that maybe wasn't as clear before. Yeah. I mean, I would say that's the biggest impact hands yeah. down is this realization that connection does matter. And, you know, like many things in life, we as humans, we get in our comfort zone, our autopilot zone. And we inadvertently take for granted things mm -hmm. that really do matter. And it's not until they're taken away from you do you realize, wow, those chit chats in the conference room before yeah. and after the meeting and the occasional run into somebody in the hallway and turning the lights out and walk into the parking lot back to our cars to drive home. And I would chat with Sam for five minutes. Those those meaningful moments mm -hmm. have, you know, for many people vanished. Yep. And that to, to be able to resurrect them, to bring them back. It, uh, it's just super cool. Hmm. It's really cool. And it, it's interesting, too, because we get asked uh, often, or at least maybe it's I'm, I'm the one asking myself, it's like, what business problem are we really solving? And I wonder, do, 
do leaders lay down at night and just are tormenting themselves with this being a problem? Hmm. Or is this really about unlocking a new possibility that wasn't really, it didn't show up the way it's showing up right now? Hmm. And that's, that's just the question that I have for myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the, the black and white X's and O's business folks out there would be like, oh, this thing's just a touchy-feely and it's rainbows and unicorns. And at the end of the day, if you can't show me the ROI, it doesn't matter. And listen, I'm not going to say they're wrong. On the flip side, I could look at all the data, whether it's what you know the research Google did and the importance of psychological safety or Gallup's mm-hmm. data over the past 26, 27 years at the importance of having a best friend at work and knowing that yep. somebody cares about you as a person are two critical elements of their Q12 survey and what leads to employee engagement or the importance of a sense of belonging and all of this important work that's been elevated around belonging and inclusion. I, I don't know. This feels really important. And even more so when, again, the proximity-based relationships yep. that an office offered are gone. Yep. So is it a business problem? I, I think so. More importantly, I think we're unlocking a new possibility that the workplace didn't encourage and sure as heck didn't celebrate in the mm-hmm. world we just came from. It wasn't intentional. Right. It wasn't planned for, probably wasn't designed into the business because it just kind of was an after effect of being in an office. Yeah. Um, well, there's yeah. the sense of like it's automatic when you're together. Yes. You you naturally, like you overhear someone else's conversation. Yep. And immediately, you know where that person's coming from. Yep. And you don't get that when you're sitting in your, nope. your living room. You do not. And you don't even get it on Zoom. Nope. Uh, accidentally, in most cases, because your, your schedules are so yep. tight yep. now. And yep. you're jumping from meeting to meeting. Yep. I mean, when I walked into the studio here today to chat with you guys, Sam has uh, a jazz album on. And immediately, we launch into a conversation about jazz. That conversation wouldn't have happened yep. otherwise. We would have talked about a business project or whatever yep. it is we were collaborating on, and we would have went right to business. And yet the jazz conversation, while perhaps not interesting to some people, is to me, yeah. is to him. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, cool. I know a little bit more about Sam yep. now than I did before. Yep. And it's you start. that's a puzzle. You keep putting pieces and pieces together, and that's how you build trust. Yep. Oh, that's really cool. Um, related to that, you know, this challenge of the, the business challenge that you're trying to solve or identify yeah. as you've kind of gotten to marketing and you're moving into kind of pushing and promoting the Anthem brand. Yep. I know you and I have had conversations around what's the category, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I know we all want to think that categories shouldn't be there <laughs> when it comes to marketing. It's like this. But they are a helpful tool for customers where, when they go, yeah. hey, how do I how do I position you? Where do, do I put you? Where do I put you? Yeah. And, and how do I make a decision quicker? Right. Um, and it helps when we have kind of like, oh, you're on the cereal. You're on the cereal aisle. Right. right? I know right. where to go find you. Right. You're not ketchup. You're cereal. I know what you yeah. are yeah. because you're in the context of all these other yes. things. I at least know you're in the – I know your breakfast. Yeah. Right? Even if I'm going to eat you for dinner. Right. Um, but um, – you know, that's a challenge for new products and, and new brands that are kind of entering into a new space. And I think that's one that you guys are, are working through. How, tell, tell me a little bit about that. How has that gone? Where are you finding that category? Well, we... Uh, Not to put you on the spot. No, we get, we get immediately <laughs> pegged as team building. Okay. Yeah. And, which I get it. Yep. Uh, 
what gives me heartburn around that <laughs> is that I think most people, if not all, when they think team building, immediately think escape rooms, hmm. laser tag, bowling, yeah. trust falls, you know, things that a little must, bit silly, a little silly, yeah. a little fun, yeah. typically involve a cocktail. Yep. Listen, I'm not bagging on those things. They're fun. It's, so it's, you're going to have a cocktail button. I think that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> We're going to integrate time for cocktails. Um, to get together with your teammates and to go off-site and to go do an escape room, listen, it, there's a time and a place yep. for it. It's fun. At the end of the day, though, the question that we ask ourselves is when that team then goes back to the office after that experience was over, Mm-hmm. What did you really learn about your teammates? How are you more deeply connected to them? Is it going to produce greater results because there's a deeper level of relationships that were formed? I, I think most people would probably answer no, I think. Yeah. Other than learning that Sam doesn't like to share the clues in the escape room <laughs> because he wants to be the hero. You know, what yeah. did you what did you learn? Yep. Probably not much. So as much as I don't want Anthem to be categorized as team building, yeah. I think that's where people put us. They put yeah. us in the in the in the team building. That's aisle. the category they know. It's the category they know, so they got to anchor yep. to something. At, at, if I could dream up, you know, this category creation, which I'm assuming every new product would love to be a category creator, right? That yep, zero to one philosophy. Yep. Uh, that I remember from Peter Thiel's book, which was a great book, Zero to One, uh, is vulnerability trust building. That's I, I, I want Anthem to be seen as a vehicle to help human beings who happen to work together build deeper levels of trust. Not just trust in, I trust Mike to do his job because Mike's good at his job. That's competency-based trust. I need that. That's yeah. critical. Yeah, that's baseline. Right? I don't want you on my team if you can't do your yeah, job. It's baseline. Yeah. I also want that plus it's yes. And I want to be able to trust you because you're a good person. You've got my back. I've got your back and that you put those two, two pieces of the trust coin together. Now we've got something. Yep. And you know, a lot has been uh, particularly a lot around Navy SEALs Mm -hmm. and a lot. I think most people, if you ask, Hey, what's, when you think of a high performing team, name a team. You know, besides maybe some sports teams out there, some franchises that have been fairly dominant. I think a lot some of, folks, of them. Yeah, some of them. I think people will go to Navy SEALs. That's yeah. a high-performing yep. team. That's what I had in my head as you were talking. I was like, I was thinking of military special yeah, forces. Special forces, people whose yep. lives depend on yep. each other. Having high competency, but also high vulnerability-based yep. trust. There's this saying, and I picked this up. I think it was in... It's in an article I read, and it was the saying that the SEALs now say is, um, I might trust you with my life, but do I trust you with my wife? Hmm. <laughs> and so, okay, so typically a male environment, a lot yeah. of these SEALs environments. So, you know, not to be chauvinistic with the no. saying, but again, coming and from the, the Navy rhyme. SEALs, they, you have to have both. Yep. It isn't an either or. And I think the SEALs have figured out that, the difference in performance level once you've become a SEAL is fairly negligible. Yep. They're all really good at what they do. Yep. It's they want to be on the team with the guy or gal that they could trust with their spouse or their kids. Yep. That you'll go into battle with. Because there's like a level of communication and 
um, decision making. Like if you want to talk about it in tactical terms in your business, right? If it's like this is too touchy feely for me, it's like okay. I mean, Navy SEALs are not known for being touchy feely, right? Um, and yet they that connection point that they make with each other, that ability to trust one another, one another at a really deep level, allows them in the actual execution of their jobs to communicate at a better level, to make decisions faster, more efficiently, yep. with a greater degree of like, when I make a decision, I know that everything else with the other team members is going to, they're going to make the decisions they, they need to make with more commitment, with more um, energy, because we have that level of trust. No one's going, mm, let me think about this for right, a minute. Right. Or I'm just going to take care of me here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, and go solo, go yeah, rogue. Yeah. Um, People lead with a selfless bend right like it's it's i am gonna give i'm gonna sacrifice and that is that's what uh to me that's the ultimate Mm -hmm. is when you can get a group of people working together on a team in a business yeah who are willing to sacrifice themselves for the greater good of what the team is there to achieve and that's about the antithesis of how many businesses operate. It is about how do I advance my own career at the expense of I don't care who so that I can climb the ladder, make more money, be at the bigger title, this, that, and the other. And I just, listen, that's the world that we've come from. Uh, Maybe we're still in it, but uh, I guess I'm a bit of an idealist. (laughs) I'd like to see us get out of that and start taking care of each other a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, Tell me a little bit about, because uh, your team is remote, you're kind of all over the place, yep. but you're here in Arizona. Yep. What impact has that, has that had on you know starting a business and getting it off the ground and running this last year, year and a half? I mean, if, if, I, I love living here, despite you know it being a little warm in the summertime. <laughs> uh, I'm we'll really, overlook that. Yeah, I am really proud to call Arizona mm-hmm. home. I, what I love so much about Arizona is the... The community of people here, the business community in particular, and and I've always, and I don't think I'm the only one, this community has always felt to me like the control-alt-delete community. (laughs) People come here for their next chapter or their do-over or their... The reset. Yeah, their reset. And because I think so many... I mean, I came here in 1997 from somewhere else because I wanted a fresh start. And I think... Because that is such a common story for so many, there's this willingness, this sense of generosity, this sense of, ah, hey, I'll help you out. You don't need to have the right last name or to come from the right click. People here are just incredibly helpful. Yeah. And I'm really proud that we have that spirit here. Hmm. Uh, Anthem would not have been born had it not been for this forum that I joined and meeting someone who I wouldn't have known otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I love it. I, I, I think Arizona is a really, really great place. And I think we've come a really long way since I've moved here mm-hmm. in 97 at being more of a starting to become more of a headquarters type destination, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I don't know what headquarters means anymore, yeah. right? That's <laughs> a whole nother topic. How important is that? But uh, you know, more and more businesses having some sort of a footprint here because um, it is a, it's a, it's a, again, other than the heat, it's a, it's a pretty awesome place. I would agree. Yeah. I'm biased though. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> the heat is, you know, this yeah. week in particular is supposed to be like back to one. But Brian, it's a dry heat. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or you just do like what Sam and I are going to do. We're just going to take the families to go camping this weekend. Yeah. So. Yeah. You can go up in the mountains. You can't get away. It's a two-hour drive. Agreed. It is cool. Yeah. The diversity here is really awesome. But the heat here in the desert. Yeah. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah. You should move here. Definitely yeah, don't, move, don't, move here. <laughs> don't move here. My big complaint is, I don't mean to take us off tangent, no. but the irresponsible use of water here is <laughs> just shockingly, it's shocking. Like yeah. if you build a, not that there's that much new home build, you shouldn't be allowed to have grass here. <laughs> you can pull a Tucson. That's what Tucson does. I mean, it's just like yeah, they we limit need to the... start thinking long term. We, yeah. we, we, it, we, it is a desert. Yeah. Between it the is golf courses and, and the vegetation that we are forcing to grow that really has no place here, it's a little silly. You mean like the the all the <laughs> I was just talking about this with somebody. So our, our neighborhood was built like late seventies. Yeah. We're over in Mesa. And uh I've noticed since we've been there almost I think just over twelve years now in the neighborhood, every single home had a pine tree at one point. And there's like one left standing within like eyesight of our house. It's my neighbor's tree. And every time I think about it, I'm like, because there used to be, I think, A, that was a part of the design build out of all these homes in this subdivision was they each got one pine tree okay. in their front yard. Yeah. And they've all since been taken out. Most of them have fallen at some point. Okay. And I'm just waiting for my neighbor's pine tree to fall because I'm like, these things are not made they're they're not designed for the desert at all and so like they don't root down they don't like i was just talking with a friend of mine who was telling me i didn't know this mesquite trees which are a desert a native desert plant native desert tree actually have a tap root that goes straight down and tries to look for the actual aquifer okay pretty deep to tap in they can go 50 100 feet down wow which actually also inadvertently anchors the tree in a way that most like Pine trees and a lot of other like deciduous trees that are used to being in a big forest don't don't have yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, how many times is a lone pine tree just sitting out there with wind blowing on it? It's pretty rare in an actual like native environment. Totally. So here we have plant them all right next to our homes, and <laughs> big winds come because you know it's desert. There's storms. Yeah. There's you yeah. know it's a big flat valley. Yeah. And then they all get blown over. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't mean to take us off. No, no, no. That was fun. That's my, that's my, that's my big. It is a little interesting. It's just the water it, usage. Yeah, it's it. It feels. It just feels irresponsible. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, I. Uh, it, it's been an interesting. I've noticed that too, and I. I've tried to figure out like where does that come from, and there's a little bit of an element probably of, you know, almost everyone here can't go back more than two generations, right? Yeah. Um, there are people to yeah. go back multiple generations, yeah, but not that many. You're right. But not that many. And yeah. almost everyone comes from an environment where stuff just grows, right. right? There's rain right? and there's plenty of water to go around, right. especially in the Great Lakes area. Totally. And, and you come here and you're yeah. like, well, I kind of miss that. Yeah. So let's put some grass in the front yard. Yeah. Let's yeah. run misters outside the patios of all the restaurants that we're <laughs> sitting at anyways, <laughs> because we have all this excess. Like there's just a few decisions that... I guess I wouldn't be all up in arms about it if yeah. water weren't sort of critical for life. Yeah. But we we need it as human yeah. beings. And we're not getting more of it no, here in the West. No, we can't make it. No. Um, you know, it, it happens naturally. Well, there's another business idea. Yeah. 
Yeah. Although I will say what zero or excuse me, uh, it's not zero mass water anymore. It's now called Source Global, but uh, an amazing company headquartered. Here. Very cool company. Yeah. Cody Friesen and the team over there creating water by extracting humidity out of the air through hydro panels. Yep. Solar powered too. Yeah, what a cool, Very cool. cool business. Yeah. Just amazing. That reminds me, uh, I'm going to tie this back into Anthem. Oh, it reminds is, oh, me. Oh, this is going to be good. Of, uh, of Uncle Owen. He was a moisture farmer. <laughs> a on, moisture on, farmer. On Tatooine. Yeah. Yeah. With Star Wars reference. He was a moisture farmer? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Why do I not remember that? I mean, I remember Uncle Owen. They had evaporators. Yeah. Yep. I do remember Those are the, the. When was it? Aunt Peru? Aunt Baru with Baru. a B. Yep. Okay, I was close. Yep. Yeah, yeah, not from South America. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like two syllables. <laughs> but yes, they were they were moisture farmers. moisture farmers. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're stuck on Tatooine. Yeah, you know, it, it was a long time ago. Yeah. In a galaxy far, far, far away. away. So we're just, yeah. you know, technology is cyclical. We're yeah. gonna get back there eventually. Yeah. There you go. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah. Well, if we well, start seeing a bunch of Jawas running around, we'll... That wasn't quite the segue I was hoping for. <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to jump right in. Uh, what's next for you and Anthem? What do you see coming? The expansion of the platform in terms of really ramping up all of the media integrations. Mm-hmm. And what I'm excited about is this idea around if I want to go learn about Sam or Mike, where can I go right now to really learn about who you are? Hmm. Where do I go? If I want to go learn about all LinkedIn. your Yeah, if I want to go learn about your credentials, <laughs> I go look at LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. Listen, that is a part of you. No, it is. And 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 in a business context, an important part. But if I want to learn more about you, where do I go? Uh, all the other social media profiles or, or, or channels have become somewhat, they're all just, they've, they've become all their own things. Yep. I can go on Twitter and read what you tweet, but that still feels kind of more of an extension of LinkedIn and bite-sized pieces. Mm-hmm. If I go on Instagram, maybe I get some cool photos of you and what you like to do on the weekends in your family. Okay, that's better, but still fragmented. I personally am not a big Facebook user, um, but I know a lot of people are. So, okay, I can go there and maybe I'll learn about... What memes I like. Yeah, or maybe your political views, which, okay, that's more pieces of the puzzle. Like if I really want to get to know who you are, I think the shortest distance mm. between two people is learning about the moments and stories from their life. Mm. And I think Anthem has a potential to become that. Mm. Um, whether or not it does, I think will depend on a lot of factors. Yep. All I, of those other channels you just mentioned, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, they're they're not designed for vulnerability sharing. I I think you're right. You go on somebody's Instagram profile and it's like, my life is perfect. Look at all these amazing things. Um, Twitter, it's just, oh, look at all my angry tweets about, you know, whatever political side I'm taking uh, or whatever I'm interested in. Um, There's really no vulnerability there. Yeah. Um, And it's not designed for that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think it is, you know, when people are willing to open up, that's when you get to know mm-hmm. people. And I think there's a large enough group of people out there yeah, scattered across the globe as we might be. who are like, man, I really, I just, I realize my time here 
on earth is short. I want to make the most of it. I don't intend to do harm to anyone. And I want to build meaningful relationships while I'm here with people who also want to build meaningful relationships. And so why not start in the place we spend the majority of our life work? It just seems obvious to me. And the upside is massive and the downside feels minimal if negligible. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I guess maybe I'm the crazy one. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) We'll find out, Brian. I guess so. We'll find out. I don't think you're crazy. I, I just my experience with Anthem, obviously with you. Um, and kind of your passion and, and purpose that you're chasing with kind of through Anthem. Um, I think that connection making is so important. And I, one thing I was realizing is we were just kind of talking here. Your product is building on people's past and kind of the totality of their life experiences rather than almost every other platform that's about sharing and maybe connection making as a as a tangential benefit is about what's happening right now, right now, right now, right now. Um, And there's something interesting and maybe very deeply meaningful about connecting over experiences that you've had in the past that have had time to kind of embed themselves. So much of what we post today is kind of, it doesn't mean anything tomorrow, right? Yeah. Occasionally it does, yeah. right? You stumble on that one Instagram post where you're like, oh my goodness. But even finding that post, yeah. what did it mean to you? What does it mean to you now yeah. versus then? That's not embedded in these technologies. And yeah. yours is is different. It's very different. It is. Um, it, which I think is good. Yep. And is also, it makes, I was sh- again sharing with Sam uh, when I walked in, it makes the climb that much more steep. Yeah. This is really, really hard. Um, but I think it's supposed to be right. I mean, that is anything worthwhile takes time and it's supposed to be grueling. Yep. So I'm reminding myself of that. Yep. Um, cause I think it's such a great idea. Like, (laughs) well, shouldn't everybody else? And that's just not the way it works. Yeah. Um, that's a hard pill for me to swallow, Mm -hmm. but it is what it is. Well, if it's helpful, uh, you can take some lessons from, Apple and Starbucks. I remember reading Vern Harnish's book, Scaling Up. Yeah. Um, and he talks about how it took 25 years for Starbucks to build their thousandth store. Wow. Um, and we think of Starbucks now as this just behemoth right. of coffee right. shops and coffee products. Yeah. But it took them really 25 years to hit like major scale, right? And Apple was the same way. It took them 25 years to get to the iPod. Yeah. Um, you're depressing me right now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank no, you. not everyone no, needs to I take hear. 25 years. Right. Maybe you don't need to get to that scale. <laughs> That's the other. Yeah. But, you know, it, but it takes time. It you does. Know? It, it takes does. time. 10, 12 years to be an overnight success, right? Yeah. Whatever the saying is, something <laughs> along those lines. Yeah. yeah. Listen, at the end of the day, for me, I am knowledgeable and comfortable enough in my own skin to know what really matters to me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to pursue that and trust and believe that the rest of it will work out. Yep. That's sweet. Yeah. Well, I'm not ready to let you go yet, Brian, (laughs) even though we've got less than five minutes left. Um, 
I, I've got one last uh, question for you. A little bit of a fun question. So we play this game. Okay. I think our listeners probably know about this by now. We play a little game called Name 10 Things, a little improv game. Okay. So if you're up for it, I'd love to throw it at you and see if you can name 10 things. Has anybody ever said no, that they're not up for it? No. No one said no. We'd kick you off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't That's be. That's it. A, We're not I wouldn't publishing be a repeat, repeat guest. <laughs> <laughs> not coming back for a third one. Second and last. <laughs> So let's na- do it. So the name 10 I'm going to throw out there for you is okay. name 10 musical artists, okay. bands, solo performers, whoever. Okay. Uh, who've had some kind of are, are linked to some kind of memorable experience for you. So give okay. everyone a little taste of one aspect of Anthem. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, and I can go in whatever you, order I want. No, or, you can go in any order and there's. Really, no wrong answers. That's a improv. Rule, yeah, no, that's cool. Right? Okay, cool. So that's a, that, that. Even if I go back and I compare to your anthem profile, and I go, "Well, wait a minute, you didn't mention that." Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, something you could like even that. make one up. Yeah, you can make I, one up. I, I could, but yeah. I think I'll actually. Well, I hope I'll be able to get to ten in relatively short order, okay. given the time constraints we're in. All, All right, right you're good. so I'll start with. Uh, two bands right off the bat. These Ooh. were the first two cassette tapes that I bought nice. as a kid. Uh, one of them was ZZ Top's Eliminator album. All right, one. And number two, I bought them the same day, was Motley Crue's Shout at the Devil. <laughs> nice. So those were my first two cassettes ever purchased. That's, that's awesome. The very first concert I ever saw, I went there to see the opening band, which I'll tell you who that is in a minute, but the headliner was Kiss Unmasked. It was in 1987. (laughs) They did not wear their makeup for this particular tour. So they were the headliner. But I went there to see the opening band, which was Anthrax. (laughs) (laughs) I was a big metalhead when I was when I was a kid. Um, Three. So. Well, hopefully that's four. four. We got four. I missed one. That's okay. So we got Motley Crue, ZZ Top, Anthrax. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Of course. Um, Now. Uh, the band that I've seen more times live than any other band in my life, which I will say has become my religion, is the Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. I was very, very fortunate to have, as they say, gotten on the bus at an age early enough to where not only could I appreciate it, but was able to see the Grateful Dead with Jerry Garcia mm-hmm. 52 times before he passed away. Wow. Uh, so that band, can, I listen to them yeah. on a very, very regular basis. Um, that's five. Yep, that's five. So uh, the band, uh, this might come as a surprise, maybe not. I love Metallica. <laughs> and I've seen Metallica live a, a number of times and have had the good fortune to see Metallica live in the front row oh, wow. more times than any wow. other band. Wow. Um, they are, Wow. I mean, to do what they've done as long as they've done it is very, very right. impressive. That's six. Uh, I have two daughters, uh-huh. and each of us uh, have a dad-daughter song. <laughs> They're very, very different. My youngest daughter, her name's Riley, um, we do a California trip every year, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a family vacation. We go to San Diego. And there's a band that's kind of the members, uh, the the surviving members of Sublime. Okay. uh, Formed a band called the Long Beach Dub All-Stars. Yep. And they have a song called Sunny Hours. Okay. That is my dad Riley song. And then my oldest daughter, this is such a wide range. (laughs) Our song 
is a song by TLC, Waterfalls. <laughs> That's awesome. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Um, so you're at eight. We're at eight? Yep. Okay, so that's that. Um, I need two more. Um, I, I, here's one. This one actually is on my anthem profile. Okay. So when I was a little kid, uh, and even up through the majority of my life, uh, my dream was to be a rock star. Uh, I only dreamt about it. I never took any action <laughs> to pursue it. Up until six years ago, hmm. uh, I started learning how to play guitar, and it has been an amazing learning journey for me. Mm-hmm. I play every day, and uh, I'm quite proud to say that if someone were to ask me if I am a musician, I'm proud to say that I am now. Mm-hmm. I, I am I am a competent guitar player, and playing in front of people was the next step in this past March, so March of 2021. Uh, I played in front of an audience, a fairly decent sized audience of people. And uh, one of the songs that I played was a song called White House Road by a guy named Tyler Childers. He's kind of a country musician and country's not my thing. But this song is just a really great song. And uh, it's one of the songs that I performed in partnership with a, a buddy of mine named Jacob. So that's nine. Uh, and so my grand finale, let's see. What is, what can I, what can I top it all off with? <laughs> huh? Oh, all right. I'll top it off with, uh, an artist that I'm so glad I was able to see before he died. And that is the late great blues player John Lee Hooker. Oh, I saw John Lee Hooker that's in awesome. 2001 at the Celebrity Theater. Oh, that's awesome! In the round, that's cool. And to see him, arguably, you know, one of the pioneers of the blues and Delta blues, mm-hmm. who has had influence on every music that exists today, hmm. uh, was a real, real treat to see him perform live at such close proximity. Yeah, he's had a big impact. Uh, I love the blues. Uh, so, yeah, there That's you go. That's awesome. There's, there's 10. I there's think the 10. 10. Yeah. Yeah, that was 10. Yeah. You made it, Brian. Yeah. Whew. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and, Brian, just thank you for coming on. This was an awesome conversation. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was super cool. It's always great to see both of you guys. Yeah. Uh, always good chatting, but always fun to also have you chat and be able to share that out with other people and talk yeah. to us about Anthem. If people want to find out more about Anthem, where can they go? Uh, best place to go is our website, anthem.life. And Anthem is spelled A-N-T-H-Y-M mm-hmm. as opposed to the correct spelling of yeah. E-M. That URL was not available. <laughs> uh, so it's anthem.life. Mm-hmm. Um, the .com was taken. And so we went with .life. So anthem.life. And then, you know, you can always email me if you want to chat with me, brian at anthem.life. So awesome. that's the best two places. Well, thank you, Brian, for yeah. coming on. Yeah, thank you. And for all of our listeners, thank you for joining us for another episode of AZ Brandcast, where we talk to amazing people about the amazing brands that they're building right here in the state of Arizona. Um, this has been another great episode. I think we're up to 49 now in the bag and published. We're soon to be published. And uh, if you want to find more of our episodes, you can go to our website at azbrandcast.com. You can also find all of our episodes on Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, I think we're on Pandora now too. So if you want to check us out, we're probably where you listen to podcasts. And if we're not, give me an email, mike at resoundcreative.com, and we'll see about getting our podcast up on the directory that you use. Uh, We want to thank everyone for listening. And don't forget, you are remarkable. 
The AZ Brandcast is a project of Resound and is recorded in Tempe, Arizona with hosts Mike Jones and Chris Stadler. It's produced and edited by Sam Pegel. Music is produced and provided by Pabrid, an Arizona-based music group. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and at azbrandcast.com. If you'd like more episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. To contact the show, find out more about AZ Brandcast, or to join our newsletter list to make sure you never miss another episode, check out our website at azbrandcast.com. Copyright Resound Creative Media, LLC, 2020.